Hello and welcome to the Your Bible Speaks Church podcast. It's Pastor Reginald Richardson, and I'm so glad that you chose to listen to today's episode. Today's message is entitled, One More Time. So many times in our lives, we find ourselves wondering, how could God use a situation that's got us in so much pain, heartbreak, and despair? But God reminds the story found in 2 Kings chapter 5, the story of Naaman, that if he goes in the Jordan one more time, just dip down one more time, his life would never be the same. It's my prayer that when you hear today's message, your life will never be the same because you chose to trust God one more time. There's power when we trust in the goodness of God in spite of the circumstance and situation. When things don't look right, when things are too hard to overcome, when we should just give up, when the enemy encourages us to just throw in the towel, to give up and to say, it just won't get done, faith invites us to step up to the plate. So today I want to talk to you guys and share with you guys a a Bible story that I didn't really get initially. If you remember in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, there is a leader of a an army, a, a, a general, a, a well-respected leader. His name is Naaman. Naaman had a problem. Naaman's problem was that he was a leper. And we don't understand leprosy as much as the people of the day would understand it. But he was one of those people that wouldn't get invited to necessarily get invited to family gatherings. But yet Naaman was a leader of an army. So there was some intrinsic value or skill he could provide Enoch. But Enoch, can I tell you that Naaman struggled and wanted to be better. But he had to do something crazy. Church family, how many of you understand that sometimes God calls us to do something that does not make sense? Over seven years ago, my parents made the decision to move to Oregon. To me, a crazy decision. But yet it has arrived to being one of the greatest blessings of my life. Black History Month and we have all heard the stories of abolitionists and those who participated in the work of the Underground Railroad. One in particular, one person that they mention consistently is Harriet Tubman. How many of you guys know Harriet Tubman? Have heard of Harriet Tubman? So Harriet Tubman was notorious for going back down to the south to go retrieve her brothers and sisters who were still enslaved. 
She did that numerous times at great peril and risk to the point where they had bounties on her head. There was a consequence if she just kept going down to free her people. To the point in which she got the nickname Moses. Harriet Tubman knew what it was like to keep on going down in a dangerous situation and getting back up, but not the same way from the past. Church family, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 13, um, 13, Naaman's servant said to him, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, you would have done, would you have not done it? How much more than when he tells you to wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. seven times. As the man of God had told him, and when he had finished dipping the seventh time, his skin was restored like one of a young boy. How many times, how many times did Naaman have to go down? Seven times. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your spirit fall afresh on me. Let no word I say be mine, but all yours. We need to hear a word from you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Naaman was one of those bougie brothers. Naaman was one of those highfalutin folk. He was one of those people that wore the finest clothing and he wore all these things and was important and special. Oh, see, Naaman was one of those brothers who walked with a walk that commanded other people's attention. Naaman led an army and was a man of great valor to the point where although he had a great disability, his king recognized that he was good at what he did. But all of Naaman's battles and victories, all of Naaman's uh, overcoming of adversities were no match for Naaman's greatest issue, his appearance. Naaman had what was called or is called leprosy. And we don't encounter leprosy at the rate in which we saw it in the Bible. But yet leprosy is a disease that erodes the flesh of individuals who are afflicted with it. 
to the point where things, parts of the fingers pop off and fall off and blood stops circulating. Naaman was not only socially a pariah, his body was falling apart. Naaman was so victorious and so successful that he had some servants, that some slaves that were taken from conquests and victories that he had. And see, Naaman was not one from the holy camp, right? He wasn't from your Bible Speaks Community Seventh-day Adventist Church, where love reveals itself in action. Naaman was from that other church, that church that don't preach right where they just say whatever they want. Naaman was from a different community. Naaman was from a different kingdom. But the servant girl that he had was from Israel. She knew the God of Israel. She knew that healing has come to the people of God because of the work of the prophet and the listening of the God of heaven. So this little girl tells Naaman. We can check it in the text. 2 Kings chapter 5. The little girl comes to Naaman and tells Naaman, there is a prophet in Israel. There is a God in Israel. And Naaman was told by this little girl that he could be healed. So Naaman did what he does best. He he prepared himself. He, he sent a letter to the leader of his nation and saying, hey, hey, boss, I hear there is a healer, a prophet in Israel. Can I have your permission to go into enemy territory and get some help? Can I, can I go against what maybe our conventional scientists are saying about my condition and allow me to go to this place where miracles happen. See, Naaman then gets permission and a letter is sent to the king of Israel. And you have to remember that at this time, Israel is a divided nation. Israel is divided from the north. And the northern portion is bigger than the southern portion. One is named Judah. The other is Israel. And these prophets are trying, but this particular prophet is prepared to do something amazing, known to rebuke the leaders for their ignorance. And see, the thing is, the prophet overhears the king's reading of the letter. What happens is that when the king replies... The, the, gets the letter and hears what the conversation is about. He is filled with anxiety and worry, chaplains. Anxiety and worry. We see this in the text because he rips his clothing. He rips his royal garments in anger and fear because he thinks it's a trap. I'd like to pause here to first address when you have anxiety that is unaddressed, you will do some crazy things. But not only that, when you have anxiety and the absence of faith in God, 
you will go crazy and think destruction is intimate. The king of Israel rips his clothing and is greatly despaired. And he said that he believed that they were going to kill him. Notice how one letter with the hopes of being healed has now made the king anxious and he made it all about him. Chaplains, I can tell you, that sounds like a lot of counter-transference and projection. The issue is Naaman needs healing, but the king is panicking. The king needs the king is panicking. Naaman needs healing, but it had nothing to do with, Na- with, with the king. It had everything to do with the fact that Naaman was standing in the need of a change. It's a shame that a lot of us act like the king. Oh, he's too loud. Oh, he worships too much. Oh, why can't he just do right? Not understanding the struggle and the anxiety and the frustration and the battles that people go through every single day. But after the king rips his clothes and is freaking out, the king is confronted by his prophet. And in that time, as we mentioned just a couple of seconds ago, that the prophets were known to rebuke and correct the kings in the surrounding area. Today was no different. Elisha, uh, Elisha came to the king after he rose. him and said to him, Why have you turned, torn your robes? Have, have the man come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. Have him know that there's a prophet in Israel. Church family, there's something really important in what the prophet has said. See, the prophet is telling the king, not that there is a king in Israel, but there is a prophet in Israel. That there is not a king in Israel, but there is a prophet in Israel. The letter was addressed to the king. The king is not able to manage the situation the way the prophet can. Because if you know your Bible, which I believe you do, you understand that at this time in history, the kings are on the outskirts and fringes of God's favor because they just won't do right. Church family, the rebuke for us today is if we're not doing right, our effectiveness to change lives is negated. If we are not about submitting to the will of God, when someone comes for healing, we are ineffective, ill-equipped, and a flat-out disappointment to the kingdom of Christ. The king was in a line of great kings. But the thing about these kings, the book of kings actually 
two books that were separated. The book of Kings is rated, they have a rating system. Out of all the kings of Israel, some were marked as good kings that followed the God of heaven. And then there were other kings that were given a bad rating, a bad score, and they were considered to be problematic kings. Church family, we don't want to be counted in the problematic king category. We want to be counted amongst the kings and queens who are intentional about submitting to the will of God so then when something hard comes it's not by our power or our authority but by our faith oh church family but when Naaman comes to Elisha's house something interesting happens uh, if you ever had a chance to watch Walter Pearson uh, his message, and he kind of talks before he gets into baptism and his evangelism, he'd often talk about Naaman. But one of the things I love the depiction that he would use, he would use that Naaman would come in on uh, as a general or a very important VIP, and they would have all the uh, extra effects. But one thing that sticks out to me about Naaman's situation and a lot of times our pride prevents us from being prepared to receive a blessing, is that when Naaman comes to the prophet's home, something happens that he was not expecting. He was expecting that he would be greeted as a fellow leader of a kingdom. You know how preachers can be. If you never had a privilege of gathering around a bunch of pastors and preachers, if you, if you haven't had a chance to even, if you really want to see it at its finest, go down to Alumni Weekend or Pelk where all the preachers from the regional work throughout the country come together. And you would have thought that everybody was a doctor, a bishop, a, 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 a prelate, and all types of ecclesiastical titles. And everyone's just, Bishop, good to see you. Doc, good to see you. Reverend, good to see you. Can you imagine what... Naaman could have anticipated when coming to this leader's house. The red carpet could have been pulled out. Perhaps he was expecting to be greeted with all pomp and circumstances, like Ted Wilson in New York when he got off the train and the adventurers and pathfinders were standing, lining the train platform. I don't know if you guys heard that happened in New York. Just a weird situation. Could you imagine what Naaman could have expected? That the color guard could be there or all of Israel's delegates were coming to see. Or perhaps that Elijah himself would come and be present before him. But church family, that is not what happened. The snub of all snubs occurred and the prophet sends a messenger. The prophet sends a messenger and says, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. Now church family, I wanted to go bring you guys an object lesson for this message today. But your pastor just didn't have the ability nor the stomach to go 
to the Willamette River. Have any of you been able to drive over, have the privilege to drive over the Willamette? Have you ever seen the Willamette? See, last year I lived near the Willamette, like right on the Willamette. And one of the things that bothered me is when I would look on the rooftop, I would see that the Willamette was a little, that would be a very kind word. It had a chocolate milk and an oily glisten. Chocolately milk and an oily glisten. Not only that, it has a brown hue. It looks like a dirty creek. Polluted, filthy, dirty. Now, church family, the problem with the Willamette is that it is considered clean in comparison to the Jordan. The Jordan River was disgusting. The Jordan River was yucky. The Jordan River was not a place that you would want to get a glass of water no matter how many times you put it through the Brita. The Jordan River was so filthy and covered in all types of ick and filth. The Jordan River was dirty, but the thing about this dirty river is that it was obedient. See, if you are a Bible scholar, which I know you are, you would actually know that the Jordan River obeyed God when the Ark of the Covenant passed through. See, the Jordan River was notorious not only for flooding, because it was flooding when Jericho was preparing to be destroyed, but the problem is the river also was known to have strong current, and it was highly dangerous. So when the prophet of God tells this man to go into the Jordan River, it would not be too hard to surmise that the man is expecting that this is some political maneuver to execute the great leader of the empire. But Naaman decides to have an issue. See, Naaman is frustrated. Naaman is wrestling. Naaman is upset. And so the prophet has told him what to do, but Naaman refuses and says, are my nation's rivers not better? Church family, I want to stop here and pull something out for you. Can we pull something out together? These other rivers were pristine. These other rivers were clean. You could drink in them. They were blue and crisp and gorgeous. They were the ones you would want to get a glass from. They looked like the waters off of some of the Caribbean islands. Those waters you would want to put your feet in, you could see to the bottom. See, the waters that you would want to spend time next to and spend time in. 
but the two characteristics are different. We have a dirty and filthy river. We have a clean and pristine river. But yet, what is the one thing that they, have, they don't have in common? The obedience to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, the Jordan was known to obey God. It was dirty, obedient. So maybe I can pause right here and tell somebody who thinks that you should look like a clean crystal water river. Maybe you need to go through the Brita of life and you got to make sure that you're crisp and alkaline and clean. But the truth is you need to be, you can be a dirty river, but obedient. This obedient dirty river. My spiritual imagination goes with Naaman. I hate, I hate dirty water. There's this old joke that humans would not swim in a pool with a body in it, right? How many of you would swim in a pool with a body in it? Nobody, I've seen a lot of heads shaking no. How many of you would swim in the ocean? How many of you have swum in the ocean? My Caribbean brothers and sisters, I already know. How many of you have swum in the ocean or have gone down to the river or gone down to the coast and gone swimming in, or in a southern coast and gone swimming? See, a lot of you have waded in the water. But the thing is, that tells me that there is a human, there is a, there is a ratio that humans are acceptable with bodies in the water. You won't swim in a pool, but you swim in the ocean, but there's thousands of bodies in the water, so there's a, there's a ratio that you're willing to swim with a body in the water. Now, here's the thing. I can't do non-contained bodies of water. They're fish. They're animals and plants. I am so glad that we had a river baptism, but there's a reason why I'm praising the Lord for the tank. Because the water is filtered <laughs> and clean. So I can relate to Naaman's issue. And Naaman's issue is one of how come I left better and you're expecting me to get into the worst. Naaman's uh, quandary or frustration is not one of, um, not one of why, okay, I'll go get clean. I'll get in the water and clean. But why do I have to get in this dirty water? Church family, could you imagine Naaman's frustration? Hoping that he would get a royal welcome and that the prophet would wave his hand over Naaman and that Naaman would be restored and then be able to go and be a valiant fighter. But the problem is Naaman was looking at it from a perspective of God's servant can do magic, but yet... The prophet was focused on transformation. So Naaman is set to return home. Naaman is tired. Naaman is done. That's how the story ends. Just kidding. Naaman then proceeds to head home and then 
his servant taps him on the shoulder and says, "What I would can we use our spiritual imagination right here? Hey, bro, you done it your way, and look where you at. Yo, bro, you you done swam in your clean, crispy waters, and you still got leprosy. Why you acting so bougie?" You already tried it your way. Why can't you listen to this man? Naaman's rebuttal could have been something like, he wouldn't even dare come meet me, and he sends me to that dangerous body of water. We lost so many in that body. How dare we? He, no, I could never. But Naaman listens to the counsel of his friend, and then the text tells us, in verse 14, so he went down and dipped into the Jordan River seven times according to the word of the man of God. So Naaman now is there in the water. Close your eyes. See if you can imagine it with me. Imagine it with me. Naaman is on the banks of the Jordan. Angry, bougie, mumbling under his breath. This false god, I mean, I mean, what does this dude even know? I mean, he, he wouldn't even have the, the respect to come. Do he know what I, who I am? Does he know what I can do? I'm a famous military officer. Got me over here at the Jordan. This Israelite's dirty river. Look at them. Can't even manage their water. Naaman walks up to the Jordan and smells all the smell that the Jordan has to offer. and Puts one toe in. Puts another toe in. Wades to where it's around the ankle. It's cold and dirty. He can't see his toes anymore. His leprosy starts to burn because he's in the water and it's a little salty, a little milly, and it's touching those sensitive areas. Touches his private areas. Touches his waist. Scarring from battles gone by. Naaman's knuckles start to get under the water. Can you see Naaman's pain as he's hurting and screaming and saying, guys, this is ridiculous. Naaman gets to the point where he can dunk under the water. And he dunks once, comes up, and there's no change. Imagine, imagine the disappointment. We get frustrated when we tithe this month and then God don't give us an immediate return on our investment. Naaman does it one time out of seven. One of seven, expecting that, oh yeah, absolutely, there should be something different. That Naaman should see that he maybe had a change. That maybe Naaman's situation would change because he was obedient enough to go down one time. To try it. To sample it. Just to see. Maybe this, maybe this magic Israel water here, we can see something change. But 
Naaman goes down one time, hoping and asking his friends, hey, any change? What do you think? Naaman sees his hand and still sees the swollen, battered pieces of flesh. Naaman goes down one more time. Naaman goes under the water one more time, and he's gone down twice. Comes up again, it's like, crap. See, this isn't working. I tried. I tried to do my daily devotion. I tried to do what God asked me to do. I tried to give up that thing God asked me to give up, and it just won't change my situation. Maybe that's not Naaman's situation, but maybe that's one of ours. Goes down again. I'll step on my own toes today. I've been to the gym this week. Why am I not looking skinny? I went to the gym this month. Why am I not at the weight I want to be? Step on my toes a little harder. I done talked to Tom about eating the plants and the vegetables and the lagoons. I done gave up Doritos. But I'm still fat and unhappy. Maybe Naaman's next dip kind of touches somebody else. They said, pray for my child that maybe he'll come back to church. She'll come back to church. I've been praying since they were little kids. I done brought them to Sabbath school. They know better. Why are they running around? I done kept doing what they asked me to do. God, why won't the situation change? Can you see why Naaman may have been frustrated that he's doing something in faith, but yet the situation hasn't change. See, the problem with Naaman, he thought that just because he did it in increments, that maybe incremental change would set place. But the truth is, the way God works, he does not work in fractions. God works in holistic restoration when we are obedient to his will. This is not me saying that God does not restore slowly over time. But when he restores over time, he restores completely. So that prayer you've been praying time in and time again is not not being answered. It's being answered according to your obedience. Do you trust that process? Will you be willing to do it one more time? Naaman goes down the fifth and the sixth time. Perhaps you have done everything he's asked. You've eaten right. You've kept the Sabbath. You keep the morning watch. You do your honest part. You care for your body. You walk softly in the sanctuary. 
keep a little of a lie, go on God's errands. You were a missionary volunteer. You sing, we have this hope, Sabbath morning. You sing, day is dying in the West. You come to AY. But yet, you're still broke, alone, sad, afraid, sick, fat, too skinny, too riddled with anxiety and frustration, a palsy, some type of issue. And you've been saying to God, I've been dipping over and over and over. Where are you? Church family, I've come today to tell somebody, just dip one more time. Don't get discouraged in well-doing. Don't give up when things get hard. Can I tell you for the last, what is it, 40, almost 40 weeks, I've been in a program where I've had to confront my issues. And every single Tuesday morning at 745, Chaplain Sidney, can I tell you, I look at God and tell him to his face, what are you doing? But I'm aware that once I hit that 120 mark, it'll all be better. It'll all be for my good. Church family, I don't know what mark you're waiting to hit. I don't know how many times God has told you to go down and do that thing that just don't make sense, that your friends mock you, that your co-workers criticize you, that you are afraid to accomplish and try. But can I tell you, go down one more time. Because if you hold on a little while longer, if you go down just a little bit longer, you will see God's miracle working power. So Naaman dunked the seventh and final time. And Naaman pops up covered in the mud and the soot. The little, du little duck feathers and rocks between his toes. Sand in every crevice in his ears. Could you imagine on that a little wave came by and that he got a little of that Jordan in his nose. Could you imagine him trying to stay above the current? And when he's washing in that flow, he is finding himself trying to survive. But can I tell somebody that when Naaman got up, he got up not the same way he went down. When he got up, he was restored and made well. His skin was clean again. His skin was restored. He was clean the way God made him. And the beautiful thing is, Naaman let out a shout and said, truly, there is a God in Israel. See, the thing is about Naaman, the Naaman, Naaman was worshiping other gods. But the beauty about the God of Israel, Isaac and Jacob, the God of 
our community. The God of the heavens and the earth, the God of goodness and mercy, he got up and changed name and situation for the better. But church family, it doesn't end there. Naaman is so excited that he then goes and tries to pay back what he was given. But he wasn't just going to be restored and just okay. The thing about what Naaman does, Naaman then goes and asks for some soil. See, Naaman asks not for soil for his sake, but because in his particular religious custom, he had to, the soil of the God that he will worship, because his God had to be wor worshipped on his own turf. But the truth is, these pagan gods needed it one way, Enoch, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can be worshipped anywhere. So Naaman, restored and clean, heads back better than the way he left. Church family, today maybe there's someone who has leprosy in their heart. Someone has leprosy in their finances. Someone has leprosy in their minds, leprosy in their families, leprosy in their community, leprosy on their, uh, uh, on their work or on their job. God, there may be something going on in someone's life, and God is saying, go dunk down one more time. Can you imagine going back into that broken marriage that's been plaguing you for years? Could you go one more time? Could you go back to that budget structure that made sure there was room for tithing and a faithful offering one more time? Could you pray that, pray that prayer of faith that says, God, I submit to you when things don't look right one more time? See, the Bible tells me that there is a God in heaven who mingles in the affairs of man but the beauty of it is he will not do it the way we want it, but he is faithful to provide a change in an outcome. It would not be a sermon that I, that I would have preached if I did not take it one step further in the way that we navigate our society today. There is leprosy in our political systems, there is leprosy in our community schools. There's leprosy at our academies. There's leprosies at the conference. There's leprosy at the GC. There's leprosy in Washington, D.C. But church family, the truth is God must be glorified. And God's people have to speak truth to power no matter what it costs and tell them the truth of the matter is that God is the God of restoration and completion. Did you notice that seven times is what God's servant told him to do? 
go down seven times. The truth is, seven is God's number. Seven is a number of completion. Seven is a number of wholeness. Seven is a number that means the work is finished. So, how many more times do you need to dunk? See, there's an old song that says, There is a fountain filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. Church family, we sang a song today that said, Wade in the water, because God's going to trouble the water. Church family, there is a water in your life that you've got to dunk into, and if you just go down in it one more time, in the spite of all the hardship and struggle, in the spite of all the fear and worry, if you go down one more time into the, the pit of obedience, that you're afraid to commit to doing the thing that God has asked you, when you get up, things will get better. We're going to close. My prayer is that someone today realizes that just because it's hard does not mean you can't do it. My hope for someone today is to know that just because you've done it six times and it looks like the restoration just won't happen, don't get weary in well-doing. Because the thing is, Jesus went to the cross and he saw that his father was farther than it, he had ever been before. But the truth is, when God was still by his side, but the separation made it look like he was farther than he actually was. The, the sins of the world were the things that blurred Christ's vision. But he did not give up. He didn't say, nope, it's not worth it. Sin can't be reconciled. Things can't be transformed. Jesus stayed on the cross. He went into the pit of death and took the keys and took the, the, the bondage of sin and shame and said, you don't have to be this way anymore. So what's stopping you? Are you too bougie? Do you think your role or job is so important? Do you think that you've done too much and that I've already dunked six times or maybe I've already dunked so many more times into the Jordan of our situation? Church family, can I invite you today to go do it one more time? Will you trust God one more time with your situation? Will you trust God one more time with that child that you've been praying for? Will you trust God one more time with that financial situation that you just can't seem to find yourself? Hey, church family, I'm going to trust God one more time that when I go to the gym, it won't be the last time I go to the gym, amen? One more time. When we give up and we say we can't, it becomes reality. But when we trust Jesus... It one more time. 
one more time. So I want to pray for someone today who may have a need, whose faith is worn out and they're tired. They don't think that it's possible for them to go do it one more time. If that's you, I invite you just with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, just raise your hand. I want to just, if, you're, if I'm not alone today knowing that I got to go down one more time, down the road of obedience, down the road of faith, the road of trust, if I'm not alone today, I just want to see those hands today. Let's pray together. God of the first dunk, God of the second dip, God of the third dip, the fourth and the fifth, God of the sixth, submerging into the waves of the obedient river. That seventh time, God, we, we come up knowing that we've been restored, refreshed, and renewed. God, we ask that right now, with all of the soot and the dirt of our situation, with all the muck and the miry clay of our disappointments, the scar tissue of that hurt that we haven't been able to heal from. God, today I come partnering alongside someone today knowing that you are a God who can and will change the situation. So God, I come in faith asking that we would not expect your miracle to happen through a waving of a hand or that we would encounter our miracle first with a rolling out of the red carpet. But God, that our miracle will come not through any of our worry, but our miracle will come by our faith and trusting in you. That it may not look like it's happening the first time, second time, third time, or fourth time, but God, when we get to number seven and we come back up, we are restored and renewed. God, we've come this far by faith. But Lord, now we need you to take us a little bit further. Heal us of our infirmities. Heal us of our doubt and worry. And God, help us to create and cultivate that discipline found in our faith that we would trust you when things don't make sense. So, God, we ask these things in Jesus' name we do pray. And all those that believe said amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We're so glad that you made it to the end of today's message. This is the part where you get to connect with us. Our digital decision card is in the comment and discussion portion of our podcast. If you go to the comment section or you go to the description, you can find a link to connect with us by using the digital decision card. If you want to get in touch with us to be able to do Bible studies to, or even come to church and worship and plan a visit, we want to connect with you. So go ahead and contact and reach out through our digital decision card. And if you want to connect with any of our ministries, that's the way to do it. If you want to come and participate in our live in-person worship experience, you can come to 4606 Northeast 55th Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Because at the Your Bible Speaks Church, we show love through our actions. We're a place where love reveals itself in action. Thank you so much for joining us.